are humans an invasive species? Welcome to Answers News for Monday, December 4th, 2023. In today's top story, researchers believe humans are not only invasive, but that they're nothing more than apes. Hello, I'm Dr. Georgia Purdom here with Dr. Jennifer Rivera and Brian Osborne. So let's get right into this. Jean, Jean Jacques Hoblin, paleoanthropologist. Evolution is the story of a great extinction. All right, so um, what this particular paleoanthropologist, there's a mouthful, um, <laughs> is trying to talk about is. Um, it's kind of funny because he's looking at humans and he's saying, hmm, they have a lot of things that actually make them unique from the apes, right? Because um, we we obviously have a soul, we have a spirit. He, he can sense and know that there's something that makes us different than the ape. But at the same time, because he's an evolutionist and believes in the evolutionary worldview, the only thing, the only conclusion he can come to is that, well, we're just a really, really highly evolved apes. Yeah, and he even recognized that, yeah, as he's talking about this, he's like, well, where is this boundary, right? They keep checking the fossil record. They keep hoping to find a distinct boundary or some type of what we call transitional fossil from ape to human. And he admits it's just not there in the fossil record. He's like, we just don't see it. So to solve that, they just say, well, they're just all apes then, right? We're apes, they're apes, we're just an advanced form of ape. And this whole article is really an interview between him as an uh, expert in this particular field, and this guy who's asking, asking him questions, or a lady, whoever it was, and he's given his responses to multiple questions about recent finds in anthropology, paleoanthropology. And it's interesting, he's asked the questions, um, what separates humans from apes or humans from other animals? Is there a clear line of distinction between humans and apes? Are there really any difference between them? And he said, he said there's a scientific answer for distinction between them, but also a metaphysical answer for distinction between apes and humans. But really, in the secular worldview, if nature is all that exists, you don't get to have the metaphysical. There's nothing beyond just a tangible world. And he never actually gives a metaphysical explanation for this distinction between apes and humans. And he also says this, that all cultures had defined this barrier between animals and humans, between the world of men and the world of animals, uh, along the, in the lines of nature. But the discovery of evolution led scientists to begin to question that frontier. In other words, he's saying in the past, people used to say there was a difference between humans and animals, but evolution began to change all of that. And evolutionary thinking, we're just an evolved ape. So we have particular traits that give us advantages in our world today, but we're still just an animal. Right, and the reason for a lot of this, you know, thinking, well, number one, like Jennifer said, they haven't found any missing link, so to speak, but also because they're finding human fossils in places they don't expect to find human yep. fossils. Like if we have this out of Africa model being more out of Southern Africa, that is, yep. um, it, they're now finding Homo sapiens dated to the same age as those Southern Homo sapiens. And so they're like, wait a minute, how could they be down here and also appear? And that doesn't fit their evolutionary worldview. And so it's becoming very problematic. And, and we see this a lot sometimes when the evidence doesn't fit their worldview, okay? They just make it fit. <laughs> um, they'll just, they'll reinvent, they'll, they'll even have different terminology, right? Different terms, or they'll use the terms in a way to try to support their idea. Like, well, there's no missing links. Well, that's okay, because we're all just apes anyways, right? We don't need the missing links. And so they try to come up with ways to be able to resolve it um, because it doesn't fit, rather than thinking, hmm, maybe something's wrong with my worldview, and I actually need to change that. <laughs> Actually, he talks about, he was asked a question about trying to understand what happened in prehistory. 
Uh, we know rightly, biblically, there is no such thing as prehistory. We have history from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But they have a wrong worldview. And anyway, they're trying to figure out in his mind what happened in prehistory. And he said, we have an analogy that we often use, that, we, that he uses to summarize how they approach this understanding. He says, it's like a drunk man looking for his lost keys under the street light because that's the only light that he has in a dark environment. So we look there because that's all we know. And he's saying there are some things about history that we just can't know. Certain things about conditions, about the people, why they did things in the past. And my pushback to that is actually we do know what happened from the beginning because there is a book, a revelation from the creator God who told us how he made this world. He told us where we came from, what we were like in the beginning, made in his image. And so we have a special revelation from our creator who fills in those gaps for us. But if you abandon that special revelation and just use man's own naturalistic assumptions and guesses to try to explain this, you'll get some really wrong conclusions. And that's why some really smart people like this guy can be so wrong about us, our origins, and so forth. I think it's interesting, too, in this article, he actually describes, he says, that there was a kind of Garden of Eden in Western and Southern Africa. They're yeah. always using biblical terminology. And as we were saying, it's just because they can't invent anything new. So where do they have to go? They go to the scriptures because mm -hmm. they know inherently on their heart that God's word is true, right? The Bible tells us that, that everyone is aware of the creator because of the creation itself. Uh, and I just, we're going to see that in more than just this article right. today, mm -hmm. oh, where yeah. we see direct biblical reference. Uh, and that's used so often in evolutionary articles. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk to you a little bit about how, well, we, you know, this is how science works. We're always making successive um, changes because we have new evidence and we understand it differently and, and we've got to make changes. Well, that's true. That's how science, science does work very much like that. We're constantly doing experiments, saying, does it support, not support the original hypothesis? But that really only works for observational science, which is science that we do in the here and now that gives us like medicines and technology and stuff like that, that we can use the scientific method. It's actually very different when it comes to what we would call historical science, which deals with origins, right? And so even though the evidence is contrary to their origins worldview, so to speak, they're not willing to change that worldview. They just keep saying, well, we're just going to make it fit. That worldview is man-based anyway, so it can keep changing and modifying. We'll just change that to make it fit what the evidence says, rather than thinking maybe my worldview is wrong and I need to change that. So you just see their dedication, so to speak, to that worldview and that idea. That excludes God. All right, the morality of having kids in a burning, drowning world, <laughs> which sounds like a really depressing uh, title for an article, and it is a depressing it article was just to read. Really um, was. That is true. Uh, so basically, the writer of this is talking about different glaciers and how they're undergoing a huge amount of melt due to warming, you know, climate change. And so eventually it's going to raise the sea level. And so, you know, people are going to die and animals are going to die and we're going to totally wreck the climate. And so basically the idea she's saying is, should you have children who are just going to increase the pace of this, okay, the, the climate changing, the world, you know, um, going dark and, and having problems, should you still have children is, is basically her question. I thought this was an interesting article in the sense of it really does, I think, 
show what a lot of people, a lot of younger generations are thinking and feeling today. And now it's based on the wrong ideology, but they have a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, because they've been told their entire lives, well, climate change, uh, as the secular was presented, is absolutely true, that we are driving this world to a radical extinction event really, really soon. It's humanity's fault. It's coming in no time flat. Therefore, you know, live in accordance with that idea, have kids or don't have kids with that in mind. And so they're really living in fear that humanity is bringing about this great extinction event. And so they're really sincerely weighing whether they should have kids or not. That's a big question on the minds of many younger generations. So I thought in a sense of at least revealing the mindset of many in our world today, it was very eye-opening in that sense. Now, the whole ideology that drives the thinking of this article is so wrong. It's so anti-biblical. It's so, it goes back to one of the key verses I say all the time in relation to all these articles, Matthew 22, verse 29. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. When you abandon a biblical worldview and the truth of scripture, you get wrong conclusions about all sorts of things. And man, those conclusions are evident in this article. And, and there's definitely, I would say, an undertone throughout the whole article that's very narcissistic. It's very mm -hmm. self-focused, right? We definitely. see verbiage like the bodily wreckage of childbirth and, you know, <laughs> what it does to a, a a female's body and then she goes on to talk about well reasons why you know they did a statistical analysis which i thought was interesting they didn't really find that climate change was the primary driver of people choosing not to have children right yeah. they kind of found that there were you know what we see the more traditional right. reasons you know where women may say well i'm in a workplace right i don't want to have to stay home and raise my child or they actually talk about the patriarchal, uh, what was the actual quote oh, here? Oh, this quote. This this was, yeah, this is classic. Not having a child, she writes, was part of my mission to reject the most rudimentary of patriarchal mythology. I would not volunteer for a position so chronically devalued. Talking about motherhood. I know. So we can see a direct, right, violation of what we see in God's word. And just the, the cherished, I would say, blessing, right, mm. and the honor of being a mother, right? Being a mother of four, I can say that is a precious gift of God, right? We're so lucky mm -hmm. to be given that. And actually it says children are a blessing from the Lord, right? right? It tells us that in scripture more than once. So completely contrary to what we see in God's word. And once again, that self-focused, yeah, you know, me, me, me ideology that's just so present today. Well, that's what we see all the time mm -hmm. when it comes to things like abortion. Um, and especially these people want to shout their abortion or are proud to be to be able mm -hmm. to do this. It's really, uh, again, it's a very selfish motivation behind that because of how this impacts me that I want to be able to have the right to do this. And, um, and I was thinking, too, as I read this, you know, they're talking about having children in what they consider to be a very messed up world, you know, right, with all of these things going on. But I was thinking back to the Israelites in exile and what did God tell them to do? To have children, to marry, to have homes, to plant gardens. Like even it, well, I don't agree with her, obviously, that the world is is going to pot in the sense that she talks about it. Um, even if that was true, you know, from a biblical worldview, God says we are to still do these things. Like even Christians can kind of get, oh, I don't know, do I do I have children when things are going? You know, we see all these LGBTQ agendas and, and all the religious rights being revoked. And is it good to have children? Yes, it's still good to have children because this is something that God has commanded us to do and to be able to be fruitful and multiply. We want to have more Christians, right? More people to be able to spread the gospel. And that's still important, even, even when it's really hard as Christians, um, we know that that is something that we are still to do. And that, that has a, there's a high value on, 
um, human life. Well, as we were saying, we're not to live in fear, right? That's, That's right. like a sin, right, to fear. So we can see that we can trust in God and, and he's going to provide all our needs. The Bible tells us that over and over again, uh, that we can see clearly God's providence in our lives. And it just shows you how thankful, right, we are that we have the truth of God's word to stand on. And for those who are struggling with fears along these lines in this particular area of thinking about climate change, understand God's word is clear. Genesis 8:22. As long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter shall not cease. This world shall continue in its cycles until Jesus returns. And really the false narrative of kind of secular climate change is based on wrong ideologies. Actually, greenhouse gases are good and necessary for life. Carbon dioxide is good and necessary for life. Man-made greenhouse gases causes less than 1% of the greenhouse effect. we got lots of great answers on this issue on our website, answersingenesis.org, and our resources and our presentations. Check those out. But God's word is our sure foundation, not man's ideas. Yeah. All right, Cosmopolitan is really out there promoting satanic abortion rituals. So this has um, been in the news quite a bit since it, since it was published. But um, So there is a, a satanic temple actually opened up what they, are, what they call the Sam Alito's Mom's Satanic Abortion Clinic. Now, it's just a virtual clinic. It's not like an in-person clinic. At least that's not our understanding of it. Um, it comes out of New Mexico, um, basically, is where this started. And so Sam Alito was a Supreme Court, or Supreme Court justice, yep. basically. So they named this on purpose this way. Um, and so basically what Cosmo is doing is saying when you... So you can order... Um, pills from this organization and um, to induce a chemical abortion, okay? So you're not going into like a Planned Parenthood, but you're actually having the abortion at home. And so Cosmo basically said, well, when you do this, um, you can say certain things that come from the satanic temple and this online abortion clinic to be able to help you as you um, and comfort you as you induce the murder, uh, basically, of your child. And they go on to say it's free and it's customizable and we, and we can make it, you know, this ceremony fit your specific needs. They say invite your friends and they said you can even dress up, it actually said in here. Whatever makes you feel empowered. Right, whatever makes you feel empowered, I guess more confident. And I think it's because they recognize, well, you're about to murder a child, right? Your and child. You right, your child. And maybe going through this... You know, it's almost like a meditation type thing that they're walking you through here. And they actually have the entire um, script, you know, the script. Yeah, we got to go through some of that. And I tell you, I mean, yeah. as I read through this, one word just kept popping in my mind, which is just evil. Another word, demonic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. And it's rooted it's just in a, in a sin ideology. And I went to their website just to be sure this was real and not some sort of hoax. And this was not just satire. No, it's a real thing. They do provide real abortion services. And this whole seance or ritual we'll get into in a moment. But also, they had a little cartoon on their website of, you know, a, a cartoon of the, the front of their Samuel Alito's mom satanic abortion clinic with a sign there. They got a picture of an elderly lady looking at the sign who's saying, if only this was around when I was pregnant. And I presume this was supposed to be Sam Alito's mom who's saying that. It just shows how condescending and how much they devalue life as they think of him that way because of his help to support life. But man, uh, the first thing they say, how do, how do you actually do this ritual as we go through that? I know they're on the slides up here, but it says, first, find a quiet space. Bring a mirror if you can, just before you're taking the medication, just before you kill your baby, basically, gaze at your reflection and focus on your personhood. Home in on your intent, your responsibility to you. Oh, good heavens. 
Mm-hmm. Me, 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 exactly self, what you're talking self, about. self. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too, it's interesting. So you see that up there on the slide as well. It says, um, beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. <laughs> one should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Okay, it is a scientific fact that you have a living human being right, in your womb, that this woman that is doing this, I mean, you're denying the science by saying, well, this is just a clump of cells, or this isn't really a human Mm -hmm. being, and I can just get rid of it and do whatever I want. It's just total lies throughout the whole thing. profile and information is complete at the moment of fertilization, right? There's nothing new is added after you're a single Mm -hmm. cell. Everything else is just a stage of development, fully human from the moment of fertilization. So if anyone's rejecting the science, it's definitely them. That's a good quote here in response to that particular quote. The author of the article says this, the abortion, crowd is, the abortion crowd is a group so religiously devoted to bodily autonomy that they deny the scientific fact that an unborn human is a human so they can live their life however they see fit against scientific realities. They're so committed to this because it's a religious ideology built with them as the authority, not God. It's their word, their ideas as the authority, not God's word. And that's really what this boils down to every time. And then we can see distortion of scripture here at the end. They actually close the ritual off by saying, by my body, my blood, by my will, it is done. Yeah. I mean... It's just, it's blaspheming. I mean, it's blaspheming (laughs) Jesus, right? Who said it is finished, you know, by his blood. It was in John 1930. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's just really, uh, it's just amazing. And I said, I think it shows the mercy and the grace of God. Because, I mean, it really does. Because we in our humanness look at this and say, these people, I mean, they should just be struck down, right, for doing this. I mean, this is just right in the face of God. Um, but I think it just really shows the compassion that God has. He wants these people That's to right. be saved. I mean, it's terrible what the Cosmo would print something like this, that there are satanic temples, that people do these things. And they're actually using it because they actually right. talk about a woman that did use this right. ritual. Yeah, so it, it's are. not like it's just fiction. This is right. really going on. But we need to yeah. pray for these people. I mean, when we read mm-hmm. things like this, while it should anger us and it should, because you know, again, this, this child's life has been lost. It's a terrible thing. But we also need to pray that these people will be impacted and influenced by Christians that will come into their lives, maybe read the word of God. You know, I, I just was heard a testimony the other day of a woman who, I mean, you know, we think about radio being kind of antiquated now, but she was flipping through radio stations and heard a preacher preaching this sermon, and she was all into New Age and everything, and she listened to that sermon, and by God's grace was saved, you know, out of, I mean, a, a life that was just, oh, totally into this, and so it just shows the grace of God, and we need to pray for these people that they will indeed find that before okay. it's too late. And that's a glorious thing about Christianity, the reality of Christianity, and that is we are to fight against the darkness. We are called to do that, but as we do, we are reaching for those who are in the dark right. with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do both. Because there is forgiveness, there right? Is. There is no level Praise of God which for all there of us. is not there is forgiveness. forgiveness available. Right. So this is some good news. On the other hand, um, when it comes to the issue Yay. of abortion, Supreme Court's Dobbs decision saves 32,000 babies from abortion. And so basically, this was an estimate. Okay, so it's kind of hard to actually figure out the number of yeah. these um, because in, if people aren't having abortions, then you're trying to guess, basically estimate how many of them would have had abortions had it been available. So that's what you're kind of trying to do. Um, but there are 13 states that basically have a total ban on abortion. And if you look at those 13 states, they, based on the birth rate, okay, in those 13 states, since the Dobbs decision, um, all of this went into effect, Roe v. Wade was overturned, all of that, that basically we have um, 32,000 babies that are now living um, and breathing because this, there has been this total ban in these states. 
And, and though it's exciting, and, and we're happy to see that, and, and you know, we're we're thrilled that that is saving lives. We have to remember that it's still not enough, right? Because right. what we see is even in these states is what they have are these bans. So you know, they're celebrating. Oh well, Georgia and South Carolina have a six-week abortion ban, right? And then Nebraska and North Carolina have a 12-week abortion ban, and that's great. It is helping, right? But it's not enough because it's still a human, right? Whether it's six weeks, whether it's 12 weeks, whether it's a single cell at the moment of fertilization, it's all human. And we need to keep persevering to a complete ban, right? From anything after the moment of fertilization. Yeah. And something important to remember, and we've said numerous times, that is after Roe v. Wade was overturned, uh, it was easy for many Christians to kind of exhale you know, take a deep breath. Oh, well, the fight's finally been won. Now we're good to go. We'll see this big change. But honestly, although there are some good positive changes like this, praise God for this, it's still, the fight is still there. It might be even more intense than it was before because it's at the state level now. And you have these very intense state battles taking place where we now have 24 states that have protected the right to abortion, that now protect the right for a mother to kill uh, their unborn child. And so we have those fights and so many others. And so that's just important to keep in mind that every one of these lives indeed matters. From fertilization, they're made in God's image, and we fight in accordance with that truth. And it doesn't matter how those children are conceived either, because a lot of times, again, we'll hear things, not just the number of weeks, but things like, oh, for incest and rape, it's okay. It's like, no, it's still not okay, because it doesn't change the status that that is a living human being um, in the womb of that woman and has a right to life, regardless of how they were conceived. So, you know, we always say one one fight went to 50 fights um, when Roe v. Wade Mm -hmm. was overturned, essentially. So now we have to fight this state by state, and we need to be diligent um, to do that. All right, scientists created a monkey with two different sets of DNA. So this is kind of a cool um, experiment. Basically, these are what we call chimeric monkeys, okay? So chimeric just means that they have basically DNA from two different individuals. So they, they took monkey embryos and injected them with cells from a different monkey embryo, okay? And it's the same species, but it's just a different... Um, it's just a different monkey, basically. So different genetic makeup, unique. And they, they were able to track. So they did this, but they only got one <laughs> living monkey out of all of this. Uh, and so they did like 40 different, I think they had 40 different, uh, Im- tried to implant 40 different females. 12 became pregnant. Six gave birth, but only one really showed any kind of what we would call chimerism. Um, and they're showing that in the picture there. So oh, yeah. the cells that came from the other monkey have um, what's called GFP or green fluorescent protein. It's actually a jellyfish protein and it glows, okay? So you can see it on how their fingertips are kind of this eerie green color. Uh, That's because that came from the other monkey. It kind of looks alien, Yeah, kind of cool glowing monkey. I'm Um, curious (laughs) to know if the fingerprints were from Yes. Well, you know, are they from, wh- which monkey are they from? Which I, I'd yeah. be curious to know. The fact that I they're green would make me think they're the other monkeys, the DNA. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. That's kind of interesting. But, interesting. but they're hoping to do it to kind of understand, um, look at different ways in which um, organs grow. It's a way to um, capture that, so to speak, be able to follow that because they do glow green um, and things like that. And even looking at what percentage. And, and Jennifer is a, a forensic scientist, and she was talking about how um, it's really interesting even from um, looking at this forensically because chimer- chim- chimeras even in humans can cause issues. Yes, and, and you can live with two different sets of DNA. And we've seen this. Uh, it has come up in forensic cases a couple times where they, let's say, find a deceased body and they test the DNA and it's showing 
female, but the body is very clearly a biological male. And then they find out, sure enough, he had had a bone marrow transplant from a female. Mm -hmm. And it's happened more than once, where even over time, whereas only the blood would show up as someone's DNA, uh, four years later, they have found that now cheek swabs present the bone marrow's DNA information and not the host. So you can live like this, and we see it in fraternal twins as well, mm-hmm. where one twin may die and the other twin absorbs kind of the, the DNA from the twin. Uh, so, I mean, I, it's, it's very fascinating because mm-hmm. we, we could see success here, mm-hmm. you know, just because we do see it present in humans. Right, mm-hmm. right. And ethically, there doesn't seem to be a problem, really primarily working with monkeys to monkeys, mice to mice, as right. we've done mm-hmm. in the past. I mean, there could be some quabbles there, but overall, it doesn't seem to be a huge problem. But there have been in the past where some have tried to mix human DNA with mm-hmm. monkey DNA or chimp DNA or something along those lines based on the idea that humans and apes are related anyway in evolutionary thinking. So they didn't think it was a problem. But we know biblically that's a really big problem, right? Right. And that, that is one of the things. So we did a, a news article on this a while back where they had injected human um, embryonic cells into a monkey embryo and created a human monkey chimera, which now they, they killed this individual before Mm -hmm. they got very far Mm -hmm. in development but then you're starting to do things that I think we need to not be doing because if the brain develops from the human cells um, or the nervous system I don't know what we're dealing with at that point and we don't even want to play that line so to speak at all because the idea is well maybe we could develop monkeys that grow human organs Um, so maybe if all the cells from the human became the liver and the monkey we could take the liver and Mm -hmm. then transplant it into the human and I understand the need for organs and things but this is not the way to go about doing that that becomes where it becomes dangerous and problematic. And here's what's really ironic. Towards the end of the <laughs> yeah. article, we have to talk about this. So they're talking about the 174 chimeric monkey embryos that were transferred to surrogate mothers. And they talk about, you know, that they had to euthanize. And they say, future efforts should focus on improving embryo viability to avoid the high abortion rate and associated distress and waste. What? Irony. They're worried like, more about we're worried the about monkey abortion rates, but not the over 70 million human babies that were aborted in 2022. Yeah. Well, it just shows you where the priorities are. That's what I was thinking of that. And also the real nature of the fight, which is spiritual. Honestly, it really is. All right. So this next article, the new quest to control evolution. So it really should be retitled the new quest to control variation. <laughs> um, not This isn't evolution. So what they're going to talk about in this article is how can we make mutations, make changes in DNA to basically direct the evolution, the evolution, I use that term loosely, of an organism to be what we want it to be. And so, um, but as we study mutations, we see they don't do what evolution needs them to do. They don't create something new. They just modify something that's already there. So one of the examples they use is, oh, well, these people won the Nobel Prize um, a couple years ago for supposedly directed evolution. But again, it's not evolution in the sense of like a dinosaur evolving into a bird, but rather a, a protein in a completely non-living organism, just in, in a dish, basically, or in, in cells. Um, they, they, they select for ones that do its job better, okay? So maybe it breaks something down. They, they select the ones that do that best. And over time, you eventually get a protein that does it the best of all. 
But that is, it's the same protein, it's doing the same thing. That's not evolution. That's not fundamentally different. So it really isn't about controlling evolution. It's about controlling variation among organisms, mm -hmm. within organisms. They give another example of, according to their timeline, where humans evolved the ability to drink milk. And, uh, and that proves some sort of you know, evolutionary ideology. But I was telling them earlier that right now, I am losing the ability to drink <laughs> milk. Does that mean I'm devolving? Right? I'm going in the wrong direction, which I guess I am breaking down <laughs> yeah, every time. But evolving, it's know. just variation, <laughs> adaptation. It's not changing fundamentally one kind of thing to another kind of thing. And they talk about cancer cells and, you know, trying to, you know, targeting it so that it can, you know, be resistant to certain drugs or more receptive to other drugs. But still, it's all just cancer cells. That's we right. haven't changed yeah. anything. It hasn't gained information. It hasn't become something new. It's just what we call adaption. Yeah. Natural selection. And it's and it's and these can have good usage. I yep. mean, we want to make cancer mm -hmm. cells more susceptible to drugs so we can kill them. Mm -hmm. We want to make um, we want to make it so that bacteria can't become resistant to antibiotics. So mm -hmm. there's some good uses for these mutations that they're trying to induce in these organisms and do. But again, it isn't it isn't um, evolution, and we have to be really careful with this because it's fine when you're talking about cancer cells or bacteria, but it's very different when you're starting to talk about humans and being able to make changes there mm -hmm. because then you get into something called eugenics, right? Yeah. And so this was tried back in the early 1900s. We didn't have this type of technology, but we did it through um, sterilization, marriage restriction laws. We did it through various means, but it's the same kind of same kind of idea. We could do it now too, sadly, um, but with more higher technology, so to speak, better genetic technology to be able to do it. So you have to be careful. It can be a useful tool, but it depends on what you're using it for, right? And so that's the problem. And that kind of leads us into our next article. All right. We can do it real quick. How humans can evolve oh. into another new species. <laughs> wow. So this is talking about are humans still evolving? And the answer is yes, because evolution, according to evolutionary worldview, that doesn't stop, right? We just keep getting supposedly, I don't know, looking at things. I'm not thinking. <laughs> things aren't really going uphill. They seem to be really going downhill. In De evolving. That's what mutations do, right? They don't make it better. They make it worse. But um, they're kind of trying to look at this. So Jennifer has to talk about one particular fact. Because <laughs> one of their examples for this, they say, is cesarean sections. Yeah. So they say, the number of babies that are too large to naturally pass through the birth canal has increased from 30 in 1,000 in the 60s to 36 in 1,000 births today. And I said, how ironic, because what happened in the 1960s? Well. We have McDonald's opening in 1955 <laughs> and Chick-fil-A in 1967. So I'm like, that is a direct result in the size of the babies. You can't I'm speak sure. heresy against Chick-fil-A. I mean, <laughs> McDonald's is fine. Hardee's is okay, but not Chick-fil-A. And I need to have a correction here. The lactose examples in this article, not it, the previous right, article, yeah, but right. based on the same idea. Me and another audience member share the same problem, evidently. Uh, but again, it's still humans being humans. And if you read the beginning of the article, it says, once upon a time, which I love that. Because yes. it points out what evolution actually is, which is a, a fairy tale. <laughs> Around 300,000 years ago, numerous human species roamed the earth. They crossed paths, they intermingled, they competed, and they clashed. And one eventually prevailed as the Homo sapiens. And so it's given the idea we originated, we evolved, we changed. So can we keep evolving? But their history is wrong because their mm -hmm. worldview is wrong. Therefore, their future conclusions are wrong. Right. And they're talking about how we really haven't seen any new species of humans in 300,000 years. Well, part of that, you know, again, is... 
um, we're ha we have a more homogeneous population today, we can explain that from a creation perspective, a biblical creation perspective, because yep. it's a Tower of Babel event that's about 40, well, 4,000 years ago. Yeah, we got groups separating out. They don't have a lot of global travel. They don't have a way to intermingle again. They have different languages. They can't speak the same. So you get these isolated groups mm -hmm. and you get certain characteristics developing in them and that's how we get the different people groups. But now, People are coming back together again. Where mm -hmm. I always call it debabalizing, mm -hmm. um, and so oh, we're yeah. more homogeneous. So that would indicate why we're not maybe seeing sometimes as much variation as what we did in the past. But again, this is just variation within the humankind. It's not becoming a different species. It's not becoming a different organism. It's just like the last article. It really is an evolution in the truest sense of the word. But Georgia, your favorite quote from this entire article: "With the help of CRISPR and other genetic technologies, we could soon have the complete mastery of our genes." Genomes, cutting and pasting chunks of DNA as we please. Uh, that, that is the most ludicrous sentence I've read in a while. It's very conceited and arrogant. We don't know, we, we know very, very little about the genome. Okay, very, very little. I speak as a geneticist on this. I wish we knew more. That would be great, and we're still learning. But you can't just cut and paste and get what you want when you want it. We're not there yet. I hope we're, well, as far as I'm concerned, we'll never be there mm -hmm. because it is so important so amazingly complex because it's made by the infinite creator God. So That's right. But um, this article s finishes up by saying, though, if we want a new human species, what do we have to do? Just go to a different planet. we got to go to Mars. Yeah, go to Mars. We can evolve and become the, the first Mars. That's what the whole point of the article is, yeah. That's right. All right, a couple of things before we finish up here. Um, so we do have a brand new calendar. If you're looking for calendars, the yes. New Year's almost upon us. Um, we have our brand new fearfully and wonderfully made 2024 calendar. This, this has tremendous um, teaching images in it from our fearfully and wonderfully made exhibit here at the Creation Museum, along with some really cool videos. I know you and I recorded some. Yep. Did yeah. you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all recorded videos actually for mm -hmm. that. And so some really neat videos there to teach you and we are currently having our Christmas Town and Christmas Time at both the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. Special programming, there's dramas, there's music, mm. there's special food, there's amazing light. It's great. There's really something <laughs> for everybody. It'll take up your entire evening, so make sure to plan enough time for that. Um, it's absolutely free. All you have to do is pay for parking when you come, and you get to take advantage of that. So be sure to do that. And two, more, two resources as well. Very quickly, two great resources, Debunking Evolution, Glass House, Debunking, debunking Human Evolution, Traced, Great books in different ways. Be sure to check those out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So we're out of time for today. So we'll see you back here next Monday. See you guys. Bye.